Tigers Uncaged. Shoots his score! Jesse and Lance talk Tigers and all things WHL with the voice of the Tigers, Bob Ridley. Tigers players, Tigers alumni, and insiders across the WHL. Here's your host, Jesse and Lance. Welcome inside another episode of Tigers Uncaged, powered by South Country Co-op. My name is Lance Dahl. Jesse will be uh, jumping in a little later on in the episode to, uh, of course, dive into absolutely everything Medicine Hat Tigers. We do this every single week, so make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcatcher. Just look up Tigers Uncaged. If you found us, you're already one step ahead, obviously, because you're listening to it. But make sure you hit subscribe. That way you never miss an episode. And shout out to South Country Co-op for powering this inaugural season of Tigers Uncaged. Looking forward to uh, not only what the Tigers look like next year, but what this podcast could turn into next year as well. Because inherently this team is going to get better. And uh, it's, it's most definitely going to happen actually because you just look at how this roster is constructed for the medicine at tigers a lot of young players a lot of youth in the lineup and uh there's growing pains they're they're going through it they're learning each and every night and what it takes to win in the western hockey league and that consistency becoming the the big theme and it typically is with younger teams just learning how to become consistent day in day out players in the western hockey league and how to on days where you don't have your a game but you have a b or a c game how to still be effective enough to bring that game into uh, the WHL and be able to find wins. Tigers are going through that right now, but as of recent memory, they're starting to get better in their defensive zone, at least over the last, what, now three, four games. As we record the intro, Tigers will be in the uh, Calgary area taking on the Hitman. I guess they'll be directly in Calgary, but uh, but they're taking on the Hitman from the Scotiabank Saladome, and then on the extra, we'll kind of dive into exactly how that went and what potential impacts that game had on uh, on the outlook the rest of the way this season. But uh, it's definitely, it's been curious to see to say the least. And, and the defensive side of the puck seems to have been something the Tigers are really keying in on. The penalty kill has been fantastic as of recently. And if they can really work on the details, in my mind, on the defensive end of the game, the, the offense is going to come as I get older. But the defensive side, it's so hard to learn structure and how to play as a five-man unit on the penalty kill, four-man unit, knowing your assignments, being active, being aggressive, all the the little details that come into the defensive play. It's tough to learn. So uh, I think this Tigers team doing a good job of that as uh, the season has gone on. And when we look back from the beginning of the year to now, definitely a marked improvement on that. But we will have Jesse joining us, like I said, in the next segment, as well as the interim play-by-play voice for the Medicine Hat Tigers Mr. Scott Roblin, that's coming up in just a sec. Come on. Check it out. Tigers Uncaged is powered by South Country Co-op. Tigers! More roar in a minute. We've been part of the farming community for generations. Planning. Advising. Getting our boots dirty. Helping farmers thrive and enhance their land. This is core to what we do because we believe that each crop should be grown with precision, grown with care, and grown with purpose. We are a different kind of business. We are building a legacy. We are South Country Co-op. 
For over 60 years, South Country Co-op has been part of our community. Families gathering around the table to talk about their day, share stories, laugh together, and just be there for one another. The meal on the table that brings families together is from South Country Co-op. Fresh local ingredients on amazing deals for you every single week. And their app gets you access to their flyer, locations, hours, and more. South Country Co-op proudly serving the community for over 60 years. You're at home here. If we asked your car how it felt, it wouldn't respond. It's a car. But if we added some magical pixie dust and then asked, it still wouldn't answer. That only happens in the movies. But if we ask how you felt about having to fill your car, you'd probably say, I wish I got something out of it. Well, co-op members earn money on every liter filled at co-op gas bars. Fill up today on Strachan Road, 13th Avenue, Maple Avenue, Northlands, Redcliffe, Eagle Butte, and Dunmore, and Oyen. South Country Co-op proudly serving the community for over 60 years. You're at home here. Tigers Uncaged. Let's go! Powered by South Country Co-op. Here's your host. And I reveal myself to you all here. Jesse and Lance. Behold! Welcome back to Tigers Uncaged, powered by South Country Co-op. As always, we get the interim play-by-play man joining us, Mr. Scott Roblin. How you doing, buddy? Good. How are you guys doing? Hey, we are doing fantastic. You know, Tigers on a little bit of a, a slump. Not only is there a losing streak, but you look at the last three games, they have not scored. And uh, that's got to be frustrating, not only for the fans, but I mean for the team. You go in there, you're putting, I think, last three games, they put in a really good effort. Puck's just not fine in the back of the net. Yeah, and I mean, you know, right now we're recording this on a Tuesday before the the midweek game against the Calgary Hitmen, so we'll see what happens in that, if the the Tigers are going to be able to to have a response offensively in that game. But this team has just been really struggling to generate much in terms of, of just any sort of pressure offensively. And you've seen that, you know, for the previous three games where this team has averaged around 13, 14 shots on goal a night. Um, and, you know, in our conversations with associate coach Joe Frazier, he basically said we're, we're passing up way too many shots right mm-hmm. now for a team that is struggling to generate offensively. You know, the, the mindset has to be, OK, well, let's just start firing at the net, even if it's not from the best angles. Maybe we get a rebound. Maybe we get a lucky bounce. And this team, even though they are on this scoreless drought now, which, you know, as time of recording is ten and a half periods without a goal. Um, the team is still only being able to get 13 or so shots a night. And that for any team in the league, that's not going to be good enough to, A, win a game, but, B, just trying to end the slump. So um, it's going to be really interesting, especially for this midweek game against the the Calgary Hitmen in terms of the response, see if this team is able to get a bit more consistency. Um, and then heading into the weekend, I mean, these are your last two games of the season against the Lethbridge Hurricanes, your biggest rival, and you've yet to beat them this mm-hmm. year. So this is, this is going to be a big week in terms of, you know, the Tigers are, aren't making playoffs, but a, a chance to play spoiler and B, a chance to pick up wins against two of your biggest rivals and get some of that just mojo back in your game, which the Tigers really haven't had the last number of games uh, aside from, I would say, their goaltending and their penalty kill, which have been extremely solid. And that, that's been kind of the dichotomy of this team all year. You usually get either the offense or the defense going at a certain point. We saw earlier in the season where uh, the Tigers' offense actually wasn't too bad, you know, scoring three goals a game. But the problem was they were allowing, you know, six, seven, eight, nine goals against. Mm-hmm. And that's how they were losing games. And right now they have been playing some of their best lockdown uh, defensive play of the year, really led by the goaltending. I mean, Garen Bjorklund and Beckett Langkow have been outstanding of late. Mm-hmm. They have been incredible. Um, and the Tigers on the PK have been really, really consistent. Um, 
I believe the streak now is 13 or 14 straight penalty kills in a row where they haven't allowed a goal. Wow. Um, it's It's been great. And that, that you know, even going back a month was an Achilles yeah. heel of this team. But it just seems when they put their focus on one area, the other side, you know, gets a little bit less focus and really starts to struggle. And that has been the offense. And, um, you know, this team is obviously looking towards next year. And even though, you know, there's a lot of players on this team that have played together the last couple of years and it's still a very young team, decisions are going to be made this summer in terms of who comes back, who's going to be back towards this rebuilding team. Um, obviously depends on where the lottery balls fall this summer as well on, you know, potentially looking at what their future is going to be. But, um, you know, the the biggest thing I think over these final eight games for the Tigers is this is an audition. Mm-hmm. This is an audition to try and get on next year's team. And we're going to see who steps up, who's going to be able to put in good performances. And right now for the forwards, uh, it, it really is not even just trying to end the goal streak. It's just trying to gain some offensive pressure, which really has been almost non-existent the last couple of games. Yeah, and it really is an audition for everyone on the lineup card and in the team roster, top to bottom, not just uh, for, for the younger players, because we look at this season, they started with four overages and none of them are here. Right. So uh, there's there's a reality that top to bottom, no matter how old you are and where you're at and on this team, like you're being evaluated throughout the rest of this year. And, and there's going to be some kind of plan over the, the offseason into what form they want this team to take shape in. But uh, we try and now look at this season over more of a wide scope lens rather than than a couple games here or there, right? Because you have the sample size, 60 games, and, and you can start to really assess how the season has gone, obviously. You mentioned it. The points aren't there. They're, they're not scoring. But you have seen a, a noticeable uh, improvement uh, defensively outside of a few blips, which you're going to get with a young team. But defensively, this team's gotten better since day one, which is, which is a positive because you and I were talking after the weekend game and, and the broadcast was done, and we were saying how you, know, you don't want to have to pick between one side or the other, offense or defense. But personally, if I'm picking, I would rather this team figure out the defense at a young yep. age and then have your offense come along as you get older. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, especially for younger players coming into the league, that's one of the more difficult things to learn is, mm-hmm. you know, you might be able to have the foot speed to keep up at the level and might have a wicked shot, but to backtrack into your own zone and defend off the rush and with some of the best snipers coming at you in the WHL, for young players, that's the biggest learning curve. So, no, I agree with you, Lance. I mean, this is, you know, it's been a frustrating you know, week and a half for this team, especially just not being able to find the back of the net, but the things they can take away from this is their defensive game has really improved. And I think, you know, I agree with you that that's, you know, a, a more important factor necessarily than the offense. Cause we know the team's offense can mm-hmm. be there. It can step up. The team has scored games where they've had five or six goals on a given night. They, they, they've shown the potential to do that. Um, and I, I look at this team specifically over these three games as disappointing as they've been in terms of, you know, just any sort of consistency from this team I look at defending off the rush. How many odd man rushes have yeah. the Red Deer Rebels and the Calgary Hitmen of late had against the Tigers? Barely I can count eight. maybe one each game. Mm-hmm. And for That's the, a huge difference. A huge. That's night and day because we've seen so many times this year the Tigers get caught in transition. And that has allowed teams to come in. We've even seen three-on-ones, four-on-ones this year, yeah. teams coming up ice. That has really been taken away the last couple of games for the Tigers. And that has been one of the more impressive things I've seen from this team throughout the season and especially over the back half of the year is this team isn't giving up as many chances that are coming off just brain farts and turnovers. And you are, you have seen a couple of games, even going back to the Red Deer game last weekend where turnovers were really costing the team, but 
in terms of defending off the rush, they're keeping better gaps. The 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 thing right now is their their net mining is really bailing them out, and they're being able to defend off the rush very well. And when they do take a penalty, they're killing it off. Mm-hmm. So those are building blocks for a team that you can look towards next year and, and look back on these set of games and say, we have been incredibly stingy in terms of playing our man-on-man and being able to limit the op- opportunities even while we're down a skater. And I, I look at that PK, and it has been unbelievable. And for a penalty kill unit that for a good chunk of the back half of the season has been either last or second last in the league. To see the consistency they've had while down a skater has been really impressive for this team. It it is something that they can build on, and I agree with you, Lance. Those type of things usually are tougher to come by for younger players. So if you're looking for a positive and something for these players to to say, hey, we can lean on that as we try and work out the offense game, um, I I think that's a valid point for sure. Mm -hmm. If I take away anything from this year, it's a good team, but it has its ups and downs. When the offense is working, the defense is not. It's just too inconsistent. When the right? defense is on their game, the offense is not. When the power play is working, the penalty kill is not. Five times, as I just looked quickly while you guys were talking, five times this season the Tigers have scored five or more goals. Mm-hmm. And in this league, I think you're going to win a game when you're in the 4-5 goal. Right? It's a scoring league. Yeah, definitely four. You don't see a ton of one nothing games. We have lately, but... You have to score goals. Is it safe to say, now you mentioned where the lottery balls are going to fall. We don't know. Is it safe that if we end this year on a high note with the defense, are we looking at scoring power this year or for next year? Well, I think, like you said, it depends on where the lottery balls fall. But, you know, let's say the Tigers get the first overall pick. Unless that's an exceptional status player, they're only going to play in a handful of games next season. Mm -hmm. So the first overall pick, or even if the Tigers draft third or whatever, that player likely won't be a full-timer until the following season. So you're going to have to look this offseason. You know, like when when I say there's going to be decisions made, it's going to be have to be how can we improve this team in the best aspects we can and whether that's acquiring someone with a bit more experience and a bit more scoring power and someone who can drive play because I think that's one of the biggest things the Tigers are looking for right now is who can we give the puck to in the neutral zone that can attack across the blue line and maintain control and being able to start a cycle. And we have there's a lot of players, I think, on the Tigers right now that are solid offensively, but they're still so green and so raw into the WHL that they're not yet the player who drives play. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the biggest things this offense is missing, and usually that comes with age and experience. So, you know, when I've talked with the coaching staff, they said just how key this summer is going to be for the, for the players who are going to be on the Tigers roster next year because inevitably you see players take steps over the summer and you see some players who take maybe a step back. And this team, just, in, just due to the amount of players that they have right now that, quite honestly, if they have the ability to bring back the majority of this roster next year, if they choose to do so, um, they're going to be losing, of course, Dan Baker, who's out with a season-ending injury, and their two overagers are Carter Torney and, and Logan Barlogi currently playing. And then besides that, they have their three 20-year-old set, as as it stands right now, in, in Garen Bjorklund and Brendan Lee and Noah Danielson. Everybody else is eligible to return to this team. So you also have draft picks from this previous year. Tomas Mersic is likely to become a full-timer. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens with Caden Lindstrom. We'll see what happens with Ethan McCallum. Um you're going to start to see just a, 
a huge number of players who are going to be eligible to play for this roster, and not all of them are going to be able to get playing time. So can you turn some of those players who might get not get the opportunity here into something that can benefit you as, as an older player? There, there's going to be a lot that's going to go on this summer, and you're going to see players just by the way they train, the way they prepare, start to elevate themselves beyond other players. When the most recent call-up of young players happens you know, just over a week ago, in those four players in Tomas Mersick, Hunter St. Martin, Shane Smith, and Josh Van Mulligan being elevated to the team already with Ethan McCallum on the roster. One of the biggest things when I was talking with Hunter St. Martin and the rest of the guys agreed, they said, this is, this is exciting. This is players that we might play with down the road for a number of years, but make no mistake, this is competition for minutes. Mm-hmm. For those four players especially, not only with the players in the roster currently, but with each other. And the WHL is a league that the best players rise to the top. So we're going to see that over the course of the summer, which players are going to take steps, which players are going to be showcasing a bit more of that consistency. And those players are going to get playing minutes. The players who don't, you know, they they might have opportunities with other teams. They might go somewhere else. But uh, it is going to be fascinating just with the number of young players they have on this roster who's going to be able to elevate. And that's why it feels like there's there's almost going to be chemistry decisions that come sooner than later obviously it's a big part of any good room and it's important to any good team is is how you gel right and and how the guys work together and and I think that's why there was a lot of stock put into certain groupings of players based off of their time at Saha together right Mm -hmm. and and that continuity really helps out but I can't help but but think as we look at this upcoming offseason and and you see how the play has been this year, which I, I feel like, and Scott, feel free if if you think I'm, I'm wrong to, to disagree. It just feels like there's been a lot of uncertainty on the ice where, where you're seeing decisions not snap off to the point that they should at game 60 of a, of a, of a regular season after all the time practicing and, and last season. Like, these guys aren't new to one another. There's a handful of new players, but for, for a lot of different guys on this roster it feels like some of these decisions just aren't coming quick enough and it almost can point to a chemistry thing where we're just not on the same page and you want to get guys onto the same page obviously so it feels like the decisions this offseason are, are going to be almost heavily chemistry based to see who has similar thought processes to to others be, because you have so many of these young guys clumped together like you mentioned like really there's not a whole lot separating most of these players one from the other, like outside of where they were drafted and their individual like top end skill set, there's not a lot that's really separating these guys. So it has to go to, come down to chem. Yeah, it comes down to chemistry, and it comes down to the player's ability to fit in the system, but also being able to take chances out of the system as well. And I think that's been one of the biggest things we've talked about is we see this team either at either end of the spectrum for a lot of the year. Either they are so rigid in the system where this is my spot on the ice, this is where I need to be to receive a pass. And then if a play breaks down in the offensive zone from whoever they're facing that night, there necessarily isn't the, okay, well, throw the plan out the window for right now because this is the scenario that's been put in front of us. Mm -hmm. So it's either that end or it's the other end where, especially early in the season, we saw this team and certain players not playing with a ton of structure and just basically freewheeling on the ice. And I think trying to find that happy medium is going to be one of the biggest things for this team moving into next year. And that's going to be down these eight games. This is going to be the, one of the biggest things where it's 
the 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 coaching staff is going to say you know this is this is where you prove that you're able to stick and belong for next year players are going to take steps but make no mistake these are going to be eight huge games for this team and you're not only facing Lethbridge and and capping off this rivalry and looking for a win you're facing teams like Brandon and Winnipeg you still have that long road trip that's coming up uh in you know a week and a half's time Mm -hmm. you also face the Edmonton Oil Kings in your last game of the season um you know these are tough opponents and the Tigers have seen where the bar is and this is the eight games where they have to try and get players as comfortable to say this is where we need to get to, especially for next season. Talking about structure, Scott, you spend more times in rank, time in ranks than I do, um, but I'm assuming that for the majority of these players, this is the most structure that they've ha- ever had thrown at them yes. over their, their hockey career, right? The the details, defensively, offensively, neutral zone, face-off plays. Like, a lot of this you can almost, like, for, like, like schoolyard, almost, for, for lack of a better reference, as as you're going through the minor hockey, you can just like look over to your to your line mates and say, "Hey, let's try this and let's do this." But when you're playing now in, in the dub, there's a lot more attention to all those details. There, there's an adjustment with that as well, yep. right? Yeah, I think so, and that's going to be interesting going into next year is seeing how these players are better able to adapt to that because they're getting more used to. Quite honestly, you know, you're seeing 16 and 17 year olds on this roster playing against guys who are three or four years older than you, mm-hmm. and you know, when you're playing in minor hockey, that necessarily isn't the case. You're playing against players who are around the same age. And I think that's been a big adjustment for this team is just the physicality and the the speed of which decisions have to be made. And that goes back to what you were saying, Lance. We've seen so many times this year where the Tigers try a cross-ice play and it ends up on their stick and they either bobble it or they take a, an extra second. And sometimes that extra second is good because it allows you to Compose yourself, get the shot you want, but the gap closes so quickly in the WHL. And we've seen so many times the Tigers get offensive zone chances, especially over these last three games, where they get the puck on their stick, take the extra seconds, and the shot gets blocked. It gets deflected up and out of play, and that's it. You know, it doesn't register as a shot on goal. It's it's an opportunity, but it doesn't mean anything if you still can't get it towards the net. And I think that decision-making and that reactionary time is hopefully going to be something this team really works on over the course of these last eight games and into the summer because teams in this league defend so quickly and it takes almost no time for these increasingly mobile defenders in the league to get over and close a gap. And the Tigers right now haven't been seizing that opportunity. When there's a gap, that gap's going to be closed in half a second. So you need to get shots off. You need to be able to make those decisions. Even when they're... The, the play is transitioning back into their own zone when a team's coming up ice. A team is able to send it on the wing and then maybe do a one-touch drop pass to their defender coming up, joining the rush. Well, all of a sudden, you have a defender attacking you, and as, as a Tigers blue liner, you got to say, okay, well, do I take this guy or do I keep the forward who I was originally defending or do I switch with my partner? Those decisions have to be made in split-second times, yeah. and that's been one of the big adjustments for this team is making those decisions the, the right ones and making them as, as quickly as possible. And usually it's one or the other. Usually they take the extra second to make the right decision, but by that time the player's already it's passed them. Yeah. Or they quite honestly sometimes will have the puck on their stick and just panic with it because it's like, okay, I need to make a decision right now. And then that gets in your mind rather than, okay, we just use our systems. We do what we've done in practice. It's, it, once you get to this level in the WHL, it, we talk about systems so much, which is key, and it's, it's a lot more structured. 
but it almost has to become instinctual yes. at this point in time because the 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 time frame that you have to make a decision in this league compared to what you were doing in you know U15, U16, U17 is so much quicker than it was when you're playing at that level. Yeah, for sure. You talked a very interesting conversation just about the development, and you talked about the development on the ice. What about the development off ice? Mm -hmm. Like, there's no happy medium for a lot of these local kids that we're seeing. They're playing in a rink that has an average dressing room, locker room. They're playing in front of parents, not real fans. <laughs> now you're moving to a arena that has damn near 5,500 seats. You're One playing of the best to, off ice facilities. And you're all that playing that to more than just your parents and <laughs> hockey parents. You are now playing to my parents. A lot of <laughs> like loved, like loves this team, like yeah. crazy. You're getting play-by-play -play guys talking about you on the radio and online. You're getting mm -hmm. a podcast about you. You're getting people that want to do media after the game. You have to be ready for that too. You could be a 17. Look at a kid like Sillinger, who right out of the gate, there was a lot of media attention on him. And we're doing interviews after games, which he might be used to. But for yeah, the for local him, yeah. kids here, a Van Mulligan's probably not used to us. Well, and uh, I always talk about this with Adam Jones with the Tigers. Cole Sillinger, I think, is the ultimate exception to it. Mm -hmm. Because from day one, when I talked to him as a 15-year-old, he was like that. He was professional, knew how to talk in front of a camera, knew how to deal with a lot of those pressures. And, you know, I think a big part of it is growing up in an NHL family. That's, that's yeah. a but, very big part of it. But I think a part of it is also just Cole. Mm -hmm. And that's that's what that's how Cole is. And that's not – that it's the exception. You know, it takes players a lot longer to adjust to the pressures of the WHL. And for so many of these players, this is the level they've wanted to get to. And, you know, Willie Desjardins has said, you know, once you get to this level, it's not like, okay, well, I can just ease back. I, I've reached it. The goal is complete. Yeah. This is where the work starts to stay in this league because not only do you have your teammates who are trying to push you as well, you have this entire group of players who are looking at you saying, I want to be in that league in that person's spot. Mm -hmm. And so you're feeling that pressure too of being like, I'm just doing what I can to stay here in the Western Hockey League because – you know, and, and there's there's real life implications to it as well. The the scholarship side of things. Right. You get a year of school paid for each year you play in the WHL. So it ends up being you want to stick in this league because even going forward to, to schooling, the longer you stick in this league, the more of your schooling is paid for. And th that's not necessarily something that you're top of mind thinking about. You're thinking about the for day to day. Some people look at Blair St. Martin, right? He yeah. he he played hockey for a long time, paid for his schooling. Yeah, but but it is, you know, that's just one example of some of the pressures that these kids, and, you know, I got to go back to say, you know, these are kids. These yeah. are 16, 17, 18-year-olds, uh, you know, people who are just becoming adults or just about to become adults. And, you know, every couple of days it's me with a mic in their face, you know, talking about the expectation and the pressure that's on them. It, it, it's tough, uh, you know, 100%. And I think this year... As difficult as it's been, I think there are pieces of it and what they've had to go through that is going to make this a better team for next year. Yeah. I really do. Even if it's not results-based, I even think for mentally for this team to go through a season like this, go into next year and say, well, it probably can't get much worse than last year, so let's attack this year with another year of experience under us. I think that's going to be big for this team. It For no player on that roster, they've had a season that they've liked, quite honestly. I, I would I would think you know there's been good standout performances and we've seen players take steps but 
there is a locker room of players that are going to leave the season, I think, angry at just the way things have gone. And the way that you use that productively is turning that frustration into let's make sure that doesn't happen again next Mm -hmm. year and knowing this feeling and not getting back to this point. And I think for a young player, learning that lesson early, if if I was in that situation, I'd rather learn that lesson early than in my 19-year-old year. year. Yeah. Because that makes you a better hockey player. And quite honestly, facing adversity like this, let's take hockey aside of uh, away from it. I think this is going to help a lot of these growing young men mm-hmm. figure things out that, you know, it's you're going to have scenarios where things go wrong in every single aspect of a year mm-hmm. and how you grow as a person from that and turning it into a positive. Yeah. And this has been a, a very difficult season for this team, but there are ways that this team can take what they've learned this year and turn it into something productive and positive for next year, whether that's on the ice with the team or just in general. Yeah, that's the, I think that's what everyone's ex- expecting probably in the room as well, yeah. is that like as you go into next year, this team will be markedly better. Yeah. And and it, a lot of it is attributed, and maybe it's because we're on the outside and, and we're not you know directly inside the room every single day, so it's easier to say, but you, you look at how well this can serve them if the energy is harnessed in the right way, because they're they're all like we've been mentioning young younger players especially in just in comparison to the league they're one of the younger teams in the league and so you go through something like this together that builds unity that builds that bond and and you look at some of the the better teams of recent memory and and you had that that They've unity that bond this. and you've had to kind of deal with the problems right the, you had to deal with the issues the one recent player i look at and granted he's in his 19 or 20 year old season here so he's he's soon to be leaving the league but how many of these type of seasons did Isaac Poulter and Swift Current go through? Yep. Mm-hmm. And look at him now. Mm-hmm. Look at the type of goaltender he's become. And for Swift Currents, who are fighting for a playoff spot, that team lives and dies by Isaac Poulter. Yeah. And for the majority of the season, he has been one of the best netminders in the WHL. And I, I have to think that a part of why he's been so good this year, granted he's 20 and it's a 19 and 20-year-old league, but I don't think he's as consistent and as stellar he's been this year without what he's had to go through in those lean years after winning, after the, the Broncos won the championship. You yep. Know? Yep. Was he part That's of that tough. championship team? Uh, might have been the backup. Don't quote me on that one, yeah, but, but might have been the backup. You get to the, those next little residuary years afterwards where – uh, it's it's very thin, and, and that's where you see the the benefit and the bonus, right? And I just think from a team perspective, where all of a sudden now everyone's going to kind of get together, and you've gone through this together, and and we we talk about how there's there's probably going to be some changes, and I don't think the the players are unaware of that. I don't think the coaching staff's unaware of that, but at the same time, you have to realize that this isn't going to be a remarkably different team personnel wise mm-hmm. because this is who they have. These well, are who they believe te- in. This team can't make panic moves. No, like, no, and and they should have faith in these guys. Yeah. Like there's there's all the reason to, right? There's a lot of there's a lot of promise. You can go up and down the lineup and and find good things you like about all these guys in, in their games. I mean, you have in the room, you have leaders, you have speedsters, you got guys who drive play, you you have different responsibilities, you have people who have taken on new responsibilities. I mean, 3 days into the season, Reed Andreessen's on the penalty kill and I looked at you, I couldn't believe what I was seeing as an undersized defenseman who's what, 16? Yeah, and now we see Reed Andreessen playing close to 20 minutes a night, and we don't bat an eye. And he's also playing forward and defense on yeah. the penalty kill, for example, <laughs> and five-on-five five for that matter. So you, you see these guys take on different roles. And and, and so at, with the majority of the, of the lineup 
heading into next year, I mean, really, the defense core will be 19 for the most part, and the forward group will then be 04s or, or 18 years old. I mean, there's a lot of, of development to come when you consider just how, how big the jump's going to be from the end of this year through that summer where they get stronger and faster. Like, if Braden Bame gets faster, holy, I don't want to think about <laughs> yeah. what faster looks like for him. And then if he can, you know, bring his hands to this, the pace that he plays at, like, that, that's a guy that's dangerous. Well, and I also look at when you have a season like this and you're at this point in the year where there's eight games left in the season, you, you look at the players on the roster and say, where can this team take hope for mm-hmm. in terms of the future? Because that is where you build on. Tomas Mercik looks incredible. He looks better his second time back. He sure. has. He has. Josh Van Mulligan is doing stuff right now that I didn't see in his game in his first two columns. Mm-hmm. In that game against Red Deer, he had the team's best offensive chances of the game. He's putting he, shots on net. Yeah, he's you, putting shots you like on net. Too, Jesse. I Walking love that in. kid. He just he knows when he has the puck. If he's had a shot, he not takes passing it. it up. And, yeah, and yeah. controlling the puck at the blue line. Yeah, and like being physical down low. Like those type of strides in his game. Hunter St. Martin, I think, has looked excellent in his last few Fast. games. Fast. Oh. Shane Smith. Yeah, I'm a how, Shane Smith. Guy. How aggressive he is going into the corners, just not a care in the world, just wanting to get involved in the play. Mm-hmm. Um, you are seeing the future of the Tigers on display here. And this is what the what this especially young core is doing. I mean, you throw Reed Andreessen's name in there. Yep. You know, he's still one of the youngest players. Andrew Basha. Yep. You know. Yeah. This excitement from these 16-year-olds coming in, this is just the tip of the iceberg of what we're going to see from these players, I think. So, again, it's been a tough year. There's not been a lot to hang your hat on. But you look at that, even if the team's not scoring goals, and you say, that is what we build on. That is where we get hope for for next year, over the summer, seeing the development for those players. Because those players, when this team tries to make a championship run in two or three years, like Willie Desjardins has said, he said flat out, we want to be a team that contends for a championship. Mm-hmm. Seeing that from a young age, that goes along. You know way. what's important with that too. Sorry, I don't want to jump in, but what's important with that? You have that young nucleus that that's really exciting right now. But you have the leaders ahead of them. You have yep. Tyler McKenzie, who's just a oh, year yeah. older, who already has an A on his sweater. Rhett Parsons. Rhett Parsons is a leader. Uh, always just wise, what like that heartbeat, a driver. He, he's a, an emotional guy. You, you you have some of these guys that are in place that can can you know grow with this younger group that's what's exciting you, you see the development and the potential for a lot of these guys to to grow together whereas i think in the last couple of seasons obviously save the the covid year it was a lot of we have what we have let's piece together let's put the the rest in but now you you it feels like you have this group right that that's going to grow together i don't know if you feel that Definitely. down in the room yeah like when when they're coming out it feels like every single night they're just a little bit more these More boys, unified, at, at the start of the season, you could tell that they were down because yeah. I think they anticipated having a big start and it wasn't happening. So they were losing and losing and losing. You could see the morale go down. These last few games, when they're getting out there, they're out there earlier than they usually are. Mm-hmm. If you did not see their record or how they played and you saw just based on how they are in that hallway before game time, you would think they're in the playoffs right now. Yeah, They are still encouraging each other. Oasis and, and Krebs are easily, they battle each other. Who's going to get out there first? Bjorklund sitting there so determined, so focused. You could not tell me that this was a last place team in the WHL. They're not, the they don't act like right? it. Yeah, and and it's easy to fold when you have a season like this. Mm-hmm. 100%. You see what Garen Bjorklund and Beckett Lankow have done recently? <laughs> yeah. Beckett Lankow just came back from six weeks of not playing a hockey game. He comes out with a 40-save performance. 
Also glad that he's okay because yeah, we thought oh, it was yeah. like day to day, and then it was <laughs> yeah, six it was a little weeks. longer than day to day. A little bit, yeah. And Garen, he's had so many chances where he could have just thrown in the towel this mm-hmm. year and said, I, "I'm tr- doing everything I can, and we're not picking up wins, and let's just throw the season out." And then he's he's posting games where he's only allowing one or two goals a game. Yeah, I mean that that's where the leadership comes into play and tries to grow that young crop of players when you. Look, when you're an Ethan McCallum or Zach Zahara, you see what Garen Bjorklund is doing right now. Mm-hmm. That's where you say, that's the level I need to get to. Yep. 100%. And Bjorklund probably saw what our good buddy Mads did yep. before that. Mads getting set to, uh, as we're recording this, we might see him in, an, uh, in the like NHL. It. Sounds like he's, well, I mean, he's up with the big club now in Ottawa. So I, all the reports sounds like whether it's Friday or Saturday, he's going to play one of the two. That's be so awesome. Cool. Would be so, so well deserved for Mads. I mean, he... When he came to the team, there wasn't a whole lot of expectation on, oh, what's this guy going to be? And he turned into Man, one of the tall. best. Man, he's tall. Yeah. Man, he's tall. And and the Great Dane turned into one of the best goaltenders we've seen of recent memory. Tim Bitt. Tim Bitt. Isn't it nice that he's playing like on a Canadian team right now? Like He got drafted to a Canadian team because of just the connection. Like It wouldn't feel the same if he was playing in, like I don't know, like Dallas. Playing in a place that probably has a Tim Bitt. Tim Hortons in this in they the might, arena. They might have one in the building. Wouldn't, but wouldn't uh, but yeah, so we'll see. I I assume he's going to start one it's of those really two. Cool. It it's really cool. And I talked to Rids about this. Uh, whenever you get a former Tiger making it to the big show, it feels like your kid. Right. Just because we got to see them kind of grow up. And so when you see a guy like Mads, who you we got to talk to, we know, and now he's playing the big club, you can't help but just feel proud. Fun connection. Tyler Ennis there. Yes. Yeah. It's oh, very yeah. fun, too. Very cool. I don't know if they've talked about that. I'm sure they've crossed paths once or twice. and. That's a good opening line. Hey, you're a Tiger. I used to be a Tiger. Hey, I used to, hey. Kelly Rudy loves that. Any broadcast he does, former Tiger. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't matter if they played five minutes or five years. Uh, as soon as you're a Tiger, you're a Tiger for life. Well, Scott, as always, we appreciate you ta- your time. We've uh, talked for over a half hour, which oh, uh, is very awesome. Tigers back in action. By the time you hear this, they already would have played Calgary. Hopefully they won. But uh, they get set for a home-and-home home against the Lethbridge Hurricanes. Both games. You can catch Scott on the call on Chat 94.5. More Tigers on. Un- Uncaged in seconds. That's how winning is done. Powered by South Country Co-op. When it comes to washing your ride, the most important thing is... Water pressure. Without it, dirt, bugs, birds, business, and everything else stays on. Thankfully, South Country Co-op Extreme Car Wash has the... Water pressure. State-of-the-art laser touchless car wash from South Country Co-op. Four locations, Maple Avenue, Northlands, Crescent Heights, and Strachan Road. This is your best wash. This Extreme touchless car wash from South Country Co-op. You're at home here. Water pressure. When it comes to your choice of beverage, you have your favorites. And when it comes to the place you get your beverages from, Co-op Liquor Stores is the favorite. They carry a huge selection of wine, spirits, local and world beers. Stick to what you love or try something new. Co-op Liquor Stores in Crescent Heights, 13th Avenue, Redcliffe, Dunmore and Strachan Road. All open seven days a week. South Country Co-op. Proudly serving the community for over 60 years. You're at home here. We've been part of the farming community for generations. Planning. Advising. Getting our boots dirty. Helping farmers thrive and enhance their land. This is core to what we do. Because we believe that each crop should be grown with precision. Grown with care. And grown with purpose. We are a different kind of business. We are building a legacy. We are South Country Co-op. Jesse and Lance are back with more Tigers Uncaged. Fast and fearless, baby, here we go! Powered by South Country Co-op.
Welcome back to Tigers Uncaged, powered by South Country Co-op. Once again, it's Lance Dahl, Jesse. Not on this ending part, but there's a couple points I wanted to make note of, and a huge shout-out again to Scott Roblin for jumping in, as always, making time to uh, join us on Tigers Uncaged. But uh, now we can we can kind of recap the most recent game for the Medicine Hat Tigers. Came on Wednesday in Calgary against the Hitmen, wrapping up a bit of a stretched-out home-and-home. You remember the original, the first game back on Saturday. They wait till Wednesday, do the rematch, and uh, the Calgary Hitmen come out on top of the 3-2 win. A couple interesting notes to make. One, Garen Bjorklund once again with an outstanding performance. Ten times this season. He's had a save percentage over 920. Ten games. Three of them have been those last three all in a row. Swift Current, two against Calgary, all with save percentages above 920. Garen allows three goals on 39 shots en route to second star honors, but the Tigers unfortunately drop a one-goal decision. But you saw the offense come up a little bit. Andrew Basha getting on the score sheet as well as Owen McNeil. And so that's nice to see after what had been a 10-and-a-half-period goalless drought. The Tigers able to break that and get back into the goal column. Unfortunately, not able to find the win column. But one point that has come up a little bit with this podcast and during broadcasts, especially at home with Scott and I, has been the conversation around the Tigers' penalty kill. Now that the month of March is wrapped up, you can get a better scope of how it went, right? 12 games played in a month. The Tigers went 36 for 47 on the penalty kill. Not the, the best numbers. 76.5% was their penalty kill percentage. It's, it's not wonderful. But you felt like they were starting to turn a corner. And now that we have the month wrapped up, we can really see over the last two weeks, the last six games, the Tigers are 21 for 22 on the penalty kill. 95.4%. They have... Played the Calgary Hitman twice, the Swift Current Broncos twice, top power play in the Red Deer Rebels one time, and Connor Bedard in the Regina Pats one time in those six games. 21 for 22. That's what you like to see. Those are the trends that uh, get you excited. And realistically, you look over their last four, they haven't allowed a power play goal in their last 17 times being shorthanded. They're 17 for 17. Last four games. So... You're starting to see that element of their game come along, especially just the defensive structure all around, not just on the penalty kill, but I think five-on-five we're seeing a more notable effort defensively from this Tigers hockey club, and uh, especially when you compare it to the beginning of the season. It was a little bit more chaotic earlier on in the year, like Scott had mentioned in the last segment, and and I, I wholeheartedly agree that as this team has gone along this year, they're learning consistency. Has the offense come along? No. But it will. As they get older, as they get more comfortable in the, their defensive zone, once those structures and, and those pieces come into place and are just becoming second nature, that's when you'll start to see them turn a corner. I'm really excited to see what happens next year with this club. They get a year older, a little bit more experience, battle some adversity this year. There's a lot to look forward to uh, in the 2022-23 season. But one other storyline that comes out of the, uh, the, the previous game for the Tigers in Calgary not closing out that first period. Tigers get a goal from Andrew Basha at 16.07. So around four minutes left in the first period, they cut the deficit to one. And with three seconds left in the first, you give up a goal. Kale Zimmerman ends up picking up what would be the game winner. Though the Tigers did have some chances. Of course, they had a power play to wrap up the game in regulation towards the end of the third period. But uh, just closing out those periods, they had done a decent job of that as of late. 
But when you aren't able to close out the last five minutes of periods, even the last four or three minutes of periods, it can really burn you. And uh, the Tigers, once again, finding that out as Kale Zimmerman scores late in the first period. It goes as the game winner. But a lot to like and a lot of progression from the Tigers game uh, between Saturday and Wednesday. Now we look forward to this weekend, the Lethbridge Hurricanes, a home-and-home in Lethbridge Friday night and then Saturday Corson Hopwell and the Lethbridge Hurricanes come back to Medicine Hat one final time this season. It will be a send-off of sorts for Corson Hoppo, his last game at Co-op Place. It is also Bob Ridley Knight, the legend, absolute legend, will uh, we'll have an evening to be celebrated. There's going to be a banner unveiling as well as a commemorative giveaway for the first handful of fans through the doors. So keep in mind, the doors open at 6 o'clock at Co-op Place on, uh, on Saturday night with puck drop. Sometime after 7, when? Not really sure, because it sounds like we're going to start the uh, the festivities and the celebration for Bob uh, right after 7 o'clock. So keep that in mind as well. Make sure you get your tickets at ticks.ca if you haven't yet, or you can get them from the Tigers box office. But it's going to be such an incredible night. I hope, and I know Jesse feels the same way, that we pack co-op plays to uh, help show support to a legend in our city and of the game of hockey in itself in Bob Ridley. And you never know, we may see Bob back in the booth. Fingers crossed we are able to uh, just enjoy a wonderful night celebrating Bob on uh, on Saturday night. So again, ticks.ca or the Tigers box office. If you haven't got your tickets for that one, we will recap the weekend against the Lethbridge Hurricanes in episode 23, which drops next Friday. Enjoy your weekend and go Tigers go. This has been Tigers Uncaged with Jesse and Lance. Powered by South Country Co-op. Thanks to all of our show contributors. Thank you for your help. Be looking for a new Tigers Uncaged podcast every week during hockey season.